Hey guys, it's me, Blush Cameron. What you just heard was a clip from my new single that's out now called Ribbons on the Cuffs. You can listen to it wherever you usually listen to music. Except Bandcamp, because I keep putting off getting it on there. Um, but I'll get it on there eventually. <sighs> so it's been a while since I released one of these podcasts. I've been struggling to find the motivation to keep recording them for a few reasons. The main one being that I haven't been able to get any of the people that I want to come on to actually come on. Um, Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say there's probably been um, eight to ten people who I actually know personally on some level that I've asked to do the podcast and I either get no response or no commitment. And I don't say this to boohoo or complain or blame them. Um, I don't take it personally. Uh, but you know, I can't lie and say that, um, you know, it doesn't affect my motivation when I get, you know, um, when I can't get people, cause I, the thing is, I don't want to do this if I don't actually want to talk to the guests, you know, and, uh, you know, I've kind of exhausted my personal connections uh to some extent doesn't mean i won't stop trying and um you know maybe it'll just have to be more sporadic and whenever the people i know are ready to do it then we'll do it and um that's just how it will be it probably won't be a consistent upload schedule or anything like that how it was in the beginning um what else what else uh Yeah, so I think I'll just do these, you know, as they happen. There are at least two or three more episodes after this one that will get a consistent upload. I've got two more after today's episode that are actually recorded, and then one more scheduled to be recorded. Um, And so for today's episode, I'm talking to my friend Michael, a.k.a. Molly Drag, uh, Quebec or Montreal-based artist and musician, makes great music, and is a very fun person to talk to. So we had a great conversation, and I think you'll enjoy it, even if you're not already familiar with his music. Uh, So let's just get into it. Thanks for listening, everybody. video game thing yeah Am I wrong yeah no you're right it's like uh yeah it's a chat platform for video games as you can see i have an anime avatar and uh you can like find well you're playing huh? like while you're playing a game you can like chat with people like on your discord thing while you're playing a game or something yeah, like a group you, or whatever you can find like communities on it like you can search for different like gaming related types of communities and they have like other stuff outside of games on here like they have like movie chat rooms it's just oh, like oh that's cool that's yeah. cool I, sh- I should probably get into it i should probably figure it see some shit i i think i was actually asked to do like some sort of this was like a month ago or maybe longer to do some sort of like concert live playing thing 
on it, but I couldn't figure it out. It was confusing. So. Yeah, I uh, I mean, the the main the, the thing that I use it for the most is just like a regular group chat with friends. Um, yeah, yeah. Because it's just like really intuitive and like has a lot of options for uh, group chats as opposed to like, you know, iMessage group chat. You can like make a bunch of different rooms within your chat room for, so that if you've got a bunch of people in there, you can all be talking at once about different subjects without talking over each other. That's really cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I think that's what my roommate when when he like plays like like Overwatch or something. I think I'll have like a dis- Discord going with my yeah. I think that's what he plays. Uh, sure that's uh, what, what he plays. What kind of stuff have you been doing during quarantine? Speaking of video games and stuff. Uh, watching a lot of movies. Uh, I've basically watched every John Cassavetes movie. Well, cool. I um, want to get into John Cassavetes better. I haven't he, yet. If you want, yeah, a good place to start would be obviously shadows. Shadows or faces would probably be a good place to start. Yeah, let me add those to my watch list if they're not already. There's another social app I'm on, uh, Letterboxd. Oh, yeah, my, uh, yeah, my ex uses that. Uh, uh, touchy subject. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um... I want to watch um, Killing of a Chinese Bookie as well. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, I think, yeah, the most underrated John Cassavetes movie um, is Gloria. Um, mm. Gloria is a really beautiful film about a kid who his father, his, basically his family gets killed by like the mafia. And right before the family gets killed, the father kind of pawns off his son to an ex assassin Gloria who plays Jenna Edwards because if it wasn't for Jenna Edwards I don't think Cassavetti's movies would have been as effective like she was his wife they you know were together for a really long time she was the star of all of his films and she really is just an incredible incredible woman incredible actor but uh so anyway she basically takes care of this kid while she's trying to protect him from uh, these, you know, assassins of this ma- mafia that are coming out. Just, there's this, you can see how much the Safdie brothers like this movie. It has yeah. a very, it's filmed very similarly, kind of like actuality movie. It's, um, it, it, you know, it almost looks like a documentary, but you know, it's a film, you know, you know, there's a script, but it's, it, it gives off that you're just like, kind of like a, um, like a fly on the wall. But, Damn, I gotta watch that. That sounds amazing. Gloria is really, really cool. It's, uh, yeah, there's the, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm going to say the last, if like, if you don't cry during the last like five minute scene, then like, I don't know if you have like a, a soul. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I watched for the first time recently, uh, speaking of Cassavetes was, um, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. I've yeah, never seen it. it, which is, you'd oh, think, really? I mean, it's like, you know, a staple, obviously, but I'd never seen it until recently. It's just like one of those things where it's like, oh, everybody's seen it. It's a classic. I got other stuff I need to get to. I already know yeah. that it's good. You know? Yeah, like, I, you know. Um, but I watched it, it and I loved it. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really, really good movie. And um, 
it's it's like that movie i re, I, I recently rewatched that too and i remember seeing that when i was a kid and like the whole like you know kind of like weird like almost like rape scene with like the devil like satan or like what's supposed yeah. to be represent representing satan and um yeah, I'm. I'm I know. Um, <laughs> what I know. What's. Uh, why can't I remember his name right now? Just like the, the, that's it. I know he's the absolute garbage, t- terrible garbage, terrible person. Yeah. But his his movies were his movies are pretty good. And uh, on, I watched a documentary about him a couple months ago. Like right when quarantine happened. I, I don't know. I think it's because I was watching a lot of documentaries on filmmakers and i was watching this one about him and he was talking about how at that time uh cassavetes just kind of released his his first movie um shadows which took a long time to make there was you know a bunch of different cuts of the movie and it was doing really well um because really cassavetes was one of the first real independent filmmakers you know he, he he would act in movies as an actor to pay for his movies you know and he was in constant debt taking out loans to make these films hire people that didn't even know how to use a camera but during like the shooting of rosemary's baby like uh polanski and cassavetes were getting in a lot of arguments you know like they did not like each other wow. they came from two they they came from two different worlds really that's really when it came to, yeah so uh, th- yeah what was this um what was the documentary yeah I don't know. It's there's only there's only two Roman Polanski documentaries. Okay. Um, it's there's one that's just kind of like him being interviewed, which is really stupid. Don't watch that one because it's just him defending himself. But uh, it's just that was stupid. It's just, you know, they don't talk about his his like craft or anything at all. But the one I forget what it's called. But there's a there's like if you search it up, like you'll find it. I think it's sure. on YouTube where he talks about where it, it basically they just discuss his his work um his version of Macbeth is actually really good uh, if you want to check that out he did a did a version of Macbeth that i thought was pretty interesting but his roman Lansky is weird like his wife was was one of the women murdered by, by charles manson group. yeah i was gonna bring this up next is i at the beginning <laughs> of the quarantine i was reading um uh chaos uh charles manson the cia and the secret history of the 1960s oh, which wow. is an incredible book that i think you probably enjoy it um talks about like the whole it doesn't even really talk about manson all that much specifically uh, mm-hmm. a lot of it is about like the scene of in the hollywood scene that roman polanski was a part of him and uh 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 fucking tate uh sharon tate, tate. Sharon tate yeah. yeah 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 uh, and their yeah, scene and, like, how it was so, like, it was, like, a really kind of fucked up scene. And that, like, Manson was part of that. And he just kind of, like, happened to be hanging out. And He got himself in everything with the, yeah, Manson really got himself in there, right? Like, he was like, had a big record deal and shit, too, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, well, like, it was, like, these degenerates hanging out in Hollywood. And he, you know, degenerates hanging around other degenerates like that. It just so happened, you know? It, like, wasn't even... It's not like he was like particularly talented or like good at infiltrating these scenes. It's like these scenes were just like that. Everyone was like that. Yeah, like free love and open. Yeah. And particularly the Roman Polanski gang was just all psychos, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've def- there is a bit of that in the documentary too. 
Well, you see a lot of that, like, you know, you know, when I was growing up, like I had like a bit of a psychedelic rock phase when I was a kid and I was just obsessed with the sixties and had this whole warped view. But like now really, when you look back at it, like when you look, when you're older you or whatever, and you think about it, it was just a lot of people, especially young women as well, just being exploited, yeah. you know, being like, Oh, like freedom or whatever like this. But like, really like it, it, it was pretty, pretty, actually pretty dark and addiction ran wild, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, definitely with, like, you know, hindsight, I think a lot of people feel that way. And uh, mm-hmm. were your parents around back then? I think How old my are your mom, parents? My parents are, my dad is a lot older than my mom, uh, like 10 years older, I think. My mom was born in 67. So I don't really know if they grew up around, like, my mom, my mom was, like, you know, she was taking acid like at like Guns N' Roses concerts and shit. Yeah. Like, but um, I never really had too many people in my life that like talked to me about the the late sixties. My papa, my grandfather, did a little bit. He was a really big like Neil Diamond fan though. But so he was more kind of a a bit of an aristocrat, I guess. So I don't know. What about you? Did you how old are your parents? Um, my mom was born in fifty seven. And okay, my so. dad was born in 60. Okay. So, um, you know, there were, like, you know, my mom remembers it more. And she has, like, you know, nostalgia for the late 60s. And, you know, they're, they're like any type of boomer parents where they're, you know, into, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, crystal clear water revival or, like, uh, yeah. you know, those, whatever, Neil Young, that type of shit. Um, yeah, to be like in your like early like you know to be like thirteen during like the se- like early seventies or something and you know with like the whole just feeling like I feel like there would be just like a vibe of like threat you know or something or like your your it's like openness but also impending threat and like watch your neighbor or like you know what I mean yeah kind yeah of, and with, kind of thing. yeah with like the the vietnam war i don't know that time period is so fucked up uh yeah and i didn't really realize it. it's one of those things that i kind of like put into the back of my mind because it's like my parents are into that and i don't really want to know what my parents are into although lately (laughs) i've grown an appreciation for like credence clearwater revival and like all those types of bands like i love ccr now and oh uh, yes ccr they're great like i love i love the band like the Big Pink, their first album, like the Basement recorded album, Big Pink. Is yeah, like, yeah. Um, I'm a, I've always been a huge Neil Young fan. Like Neil Young was probably the first, the first like, you know, when I first started picking up guitar, like like most most dudes or most people, I guess, like you, the day of tabs, like you you want to learn solos first, right? Like you want to learn like, but the, when I when I first started like learning, when I wanted to learn like a song, like a song structure chords i think it was probably neil young heart of gold because e minor was really easy to play <laughs> that's funny well uh what how old were you when you started learning guitar and was that your first instrument um my first like i think i started playing with my friend's guitar the, the, the reason that i started playing guitar first was i was really into skateboarding like that was my first real thing that got me into music were skate videos 
Mm. I I used to, you know, I was when I was like 12, I started skating a lot and I started hanging out with people like 6 years older than me. You know, in Midland, Ontario, like a small town, but there was a pretty good like skate scene there. I mean, I guess, like in my sure. head, was, uh-huh. there, there was, you know, so I started hanging out with a lot of people and my days were really like filled up with like, you know, get out of school, meet up with my friend Jake, who was in grade like 11 and I was in grade seven and I hung out with him and then we'd go skating, go back to his house, either play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or watch a skate video. And I specifically remember watching this one skate video called um, This Is America. And it was like the America video. And mm. at, the end, at the end of the... And at this time, I was listening to a lot of Coldplay and stuff. But I remember at the end of the video, the song Sometimes by My Bloody Valentine came on. <clears throat> and, and I'd never heard something like that before. And it was to like the montage of like a, like a skater, like Andrew Reynolds and stuff. Um, and then all of my friends started to get really a lot better than me at skateboarding. Uh-huh. Like it was really, you know, like I was just getting my ass kicked. At, at some point, you got to move on from the ollie and start, you know, dropping in and whatever. Yeah, like I just remember one day showed up at my at the skate park and my best friend Jesse, who, you know was always really skilled and he actually played guitar before me too. He was very, he was very fast, fast learner. And I always kind of admired him for that because he's a very fast learner at things faster than me. And, um, one day I had to show up at the skate park and right in front of me just does a nollie heel flip, you know, and I couldn't even heel flip at the time. And I, I remember like that right then I was like, all right, like I need to find, I need to like find something else here. So my, um, my mom bought me a Squire Strat, and I was just like listening to a lot of Blink One Eighty Two at this time. I had just seen them live. My first concert was Blink One Eighty Two and the Used, um, and Taking nice. Back Sunday, and Taking Back Sunday. <laughs> Dude, I love the and Used I'm... first record. Oh yeah, that was Blue one of my yellow. that was one of my first albums. Yeah, that song Blue and Yellow. Yeah. 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 What if that one part's like, no, you'll never find me yeah. if you're looking for yeah, it. Yes, yeah. yeah, you should cover yeah. that. Yeah, I would. I love that. That track's beautiful. But yeah, so I started playing. Um, so I guess I'd be like 13 when I, when I got my first guitar. Um, and I, yeah, I, I would learn how to play songs by, like, I would watch, I would, I had this Blink-182 DVD called the Euthero Chronicles, and it had all their music videos on, like, the DVD menu. And I just, like, re- could see myself in my room, like, standing with the guitar on my shoulders, strapped, like, on my shoulders, sitting my, in my boxers in my room, watching the Stay Together for the Kids music video and looking where, like, Tom DeLonge's fingers were on his guitar to, like, and if it sounded kind of close, I knew there were power chords. And that's kind of how I started learning how to play guitar, really. Wow. And then one day, my mom showed up at the house with a, a keyboard that had, like, weighted keys. So it was kind of like a piano because it had, like, those weighted keys that kind of gave a bit of restriction. Uh-huh. Um, 
And then I started really, really, I kind of went out of my like punk emo thing because I was really into Coldplay too at this time. And I would spend my days like dial up internet days so this, um, on the Coldplay official forums. And I would like, wow. it was weird. I, yeah, I was on there. And I remember I would like, I would like search up in the toolbar, like Coldplay's influences. And then I would write down all of their, you know, bands that I would read, like, you know, like Beatles or like, like U2 or like Echo and the Bunnymen, My Bloody Valentine. And then I would go on LimeWire and download these songs by all these other bands. So I started to get really into like, uh, my music taste started to get really vast because of like bands influences. And I would really like spend my time on the computer a lot. Really, and then I started learning how to play piano. There's definitely a common thread of like people our age getting kind of like a vast taste for music early on because of the internet. Um, oh, but yeah. you're the first person that's mentioned Coldplay at all, <laughs> let alone <laughs> being like the first major you know avenue into discovering music. Um, so that's pretty funny. Yeah, they were. They were. They were definitely like the band that like um, they didn't seem to fit in any real genre for me. They just seemed like one of these big bands um, that like really resonated with me. Um, I remember my grade eight school trip. We went to Quebec. Um, it was my first time coming here where I live now, actually, and I never would have thought I would have lived here. In my whole life, really, I never thought I would live here. Um, I remember my dad bought me Coldplay uh, X and Y had just come out, and I was already into them by this time. And I had a CD Walkman. I just we would the school we would take we would walk through the Citadel like castle and you know these museums, and I just had my headphones on listening to X and Y, you know, just listening to Fix You on repeat. <laughs> that rocks. So yeah. They were really, and they're a band that really like changed, you know, like with album to album. They're kind of like U2 like that, like a little bit, like they changed. And U2 were another band I actually grew up loving a lot. My dad, my dad uh, really got me into like U2 and Pink Floyd, but I always liked the, the sad songs, you know? Yeah. Like, I, was, I was always driven towards the sadder sounding Interesting. songs. Interesting. I was, I liked the angry stuff. <laughs> I, I, I early on like got into Deftones and only wanted to listen to screaming music. Oh, Deftones. What's that one album that has, like, this song Cherry on it? What? Uh, Cherry something? Uh, damn. What's I, that album? It's almost got, like, a like a purse, like, a girl submerged or something uh, Saturday weird. Night, Saturday Night Wrist? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've listened to that. And White Pony, too. White Pony's an all-time classic. Yeah, Deftones are sick. Did um, you ever get into Metallica? Did you no, ever have them? They were actually, when I was like three years old, I called them my favorite band without knowing, <laughs> without even knowing what they sounded like. I just Word. thought the name was cool. Yeah, um, it is It is a really cool name. <laughs> no. Did you like Metallica? I had a Metallica phase. Like, not really like a big phase, but I definitely remember learning how to play <clears throat> the song One. I really like that song. So close, no matter how far. <laughs> I remember, like, I spent a long time. My mom would get so pissed, right? Because I'd use all our paper and 
printer ink to print out guitar tabs also also to print out pictures of my favorite musicians so just use all this colored ink right because they'd be printing off full page eight by 11 colored pictures of like peter gabriel or like john lennon you know what i mean and i put them on my wall tried to do stuff for work and she'd come in my room my my room is just the floors are just filled with guitar tabs picture like paper and my walls are covered in all these like <laughs> you know i had like elliot smith up there and like neil young she's like you gotta stop like what is this doing for you and i just remember being like i don't they're just like you know people i want to like be <laughs> wow you're kind of ahead of your time as a teenager listening to peter gabriel like that i don't oh, think I, was, I think yeah, most I kids a- our age back then you know were listening to you know whatever census failure they used yeah, like I was in that phase of like the early emo kind of like I guess I almost like pop punk, but yeah. like real, real pop punk, you know, like real kind of pop music with punk influences. Um, early and it was quick, and then I started like I was a huge AFI fan. Like they mm-hmm. still are a band, that band that I love a lot. Yeah, but then I but then I got into Coldplay randomly. Well, I was still skate skateboarding, and my friends would make fun of me at the skate park because I'd like have like my Walkman, and they'd be like, "What are you listening to?" I'd pull out like parachutes or something, you know. And you have these guys that like had anti flag shirts on, you know, making fun of me and and shit like that, or like you know. But so when- yeah, it, Coldplay kind of twisted me a little bit yeah. to kind of to kind of delve a little bit deeper into 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 music in a way. That's really interesting. When did you start a band? Did that ever happen? Were you in any bands? Yeah, I've been in, I've been in bands. That's something I guess I haven't really talked about a lot. Maybe it's because I'm a bit of a control freak. But um, I so the first band I ever started was with my other friend Jesse, who I told you about, my skateboarding friend, and he bought a bass. And I play guitar, and we started a band called Charles Roberts because my middle name was Charles and his middle name was Robert. <laughs> we thought it was cool. Hey, my middle name is Charles as well. Oh, yeah. I think we might have discussed that once. I don't remember, but it's a yeah. fact. That's sick. It's a, it's a nice middle name. It makes you sound kind of prince-like if yeah. your middle name is Charles, I find. Definitely does. Um, so, yeah, there's that. And my high school, I went to a, like a Catholic, pretty like rich Catholic high school, actually. And oh. we had um, a full-on recording studio. It was a brand new school in Midland. And it had a full-on recording studio in there, like real big recording studio. So every semester, there would be uh, a compilation of CDs. So if you paid like, you know, 50 bucks, you get to like record two songs. And then they put it on a CD. And like they get it printed with a booklet and everything like that, and then they have a concert for it to sell it. So I remember being, and I wrote for this for this. I wrote all the songs, and Jesse was still more into skateboarding, so he wasn't really good at bass. I had to like show him the chords and stuff. Uh-huh. So I actually remember the first time that was my first time ever uh, recording, like with someone else. And yeah. then we had a song called Chester in the Moon. And the teacher who would run the, I, would, I remember going into the mixing room and watching 
the kid who was, I guess he, I was in grade nine. He would have been in grade 12. And I remember he was using like pro tools or something. And I was like, okay, like I'm really interested in, cause until that point I was really just like, I like just playing music or whatever, but I was really like enthralled by watching someone, you know, having these like isolated tracks on a screen and being able to like manipulate them, you know? Yeah. So I started talking to him about like programs that whatever. And he introduced me to audacity when I was like 15. So immediately that night I went home, I found the program. It was free. And we had a microphone kind of like built in our computer, which was like a really terrible microphone, but I had, uh, my acoustic that uh, I think my mom got me. It was like a bad one, but I remember recording just like, I was just playing like an A chord, like picking the strings of an A chord. And then like I went in and like highlighted the track. And then I saw there was a thing called effects. And the first thing I saw was reverse. So I did uh, that. That's the first thing I ever did on like, like a, I guess a, a DAW. Wow. I wish and I could I re- remember the very first thing that I did. Go ahead. What were you saying? <laughs> no. And then I reversed it. And then I played it back. So I was playing like, the strings of an A chord really slow, right? Yeah. So when I reversed it and I listened back, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. And I went and my mom was like sleeping in the next room or something before she had to go to work. And I was like, you got to come here. You got to hear this. And she comes in, she's listening. She doesn't look too like impressed. She's like, well, what is that? I was like, fuck, it's a guitar, but it sounds like a violin. Like, <laughs> So then from that day on, I started recording like just random stuff. And I ended up recording a, uh, Jesse and I recorded a whole Charles Roberts full length album. What kind uh, of music was that? It was like the Beatles. Okay. I, it was like the Beatles. I was really into the Beatles and, um, my friend's older sister, uh, introduced me to Sigur Rós at that time. So I started getting into Sigur Rós when I was in grade nine, like 15. Is that music like, out there anywhere that people can listen to it? <laughs> Charles Roberts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Actually, what's funny is Jesse, who I haven't seen in over 10 years. He's my first real best friend. He, uh, he tagged me on Facebook a couple of years back, right? And uh, the, ta- the tag was a picture of one of the CDs of, that, of the album. Wow. And it was called Stuck in Reverse. He had... <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's called. Like literally stuck in reverse. And uh, I messaged him. I was like, It'd be, "Could you do me a big favor and you know burn these tracks, <laughs> like, like upload these tracks to like Mediafire, like, we transfer and send them to me?" But he never, never did. Still Damn. waiting. Because I would love to try to use that for something. Yeah, you know, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. It's like a blessing and a curse. But I'm addicted to like. Uh, it makes me sad. I've lost a lot of my like really old material. A lot of the very first stuff that I made, I don't have anymore. I have I go I go pretty far back. I have a lot of it, but some of the very very early stuff I don't have anymore, which is a bummer. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like because when you're younger like that, it's like you. What's great about being young, uh, like that age is you don't have to like practice mindfulness. You just yeah. are, you're just in the present moment. You just, you know, that's one thing I love about like adolescence is like, 
you don't need to meditate and to be mindful you're just you just already are all that matters is like the present moment yeah you know? i mean you're like a big ball of impulsivity yes exactly um, and you know like these days i have to like <laughs> i'm so like concerned about uncertainty and yeah uh and stuff in the future or like dwelling on mistakes in the past that i have to like sit close my eyes and like practice mindfulness it's like yeah a huge there's part. no like 13 year old that's like oh god how long am i gonna live or like you know like oh god i can't believe i did that thing three years ago that i'm still embarrassed about yeah i know right i know i know and no one no one's no one kind of really tells you either that's good like they, people tell you stuff about like you know being an adult sometimes but they never tell you that you're gonna spend like half an hour a day worrying about if this person that you did something in front of is thinking about that when they're probably not. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> because like, it's, it's funny to be a human is that like, no one thinks about you as much as you think they do. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> like people are pretty wrapped up in themselves. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that you're better? You, you mentioned that you're sober now. Do you feel that yeah. you're better at that kind of stuff now? Or is it like more of a struggle and you're having to like work um, on it more? Yeah. Yeah. I I think it depends on the day. Um, this whole quarantine thing kind of taught me a lot. And, you know, to get into the sober thing a little bit, not to get into it too much, but... You know, there's been, like, I always knew I had a problem, like, with the addictive behavior um, or masking childhood trauma with certain things on the exterior of myself to, to, to calm it. And I think, like, the evidence is really clear, like, within my music or with if you're close to me and, you know, have seen me drunk or high or whatever, you know, and I've had friends in the past, but like, I think you need like help or whatever. And, you know, I would go through bouts with sobriety and, uh, you know, we'll go sober for a few weeks and you'd be like, yeah, see, like I can, I'm good. Like I can be a, so a social casual drinker. And then, you know, slowly I would do that. And then all of a sudden I'd like black out again. Right. So, mm -hmm. I think near the beginning of this quarantine, I kind of had like a blackout night and I woke up the next morning and I just, you know, I was just really kind of done with it. I kind of realized that like I had some things I needed to get into. So another thing amazing that kind of happened during this quarantine is I was actually diagnosed with a personality disorder. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was an like, interesting process what? because because um, a borderline personality disorder, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I've had people just be like, "Yeah, you kind of like go through breaths of like uh, fear of abandonment there, you know, or <laughs> black and white thinking, kind of like one thing or the other, right? When really life is kind of a gray area. Reality is more gray. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it was a weird process because I had to go to like a hospital during COVID, and it was oh, a pretty. Scary. 
yeah, but like I needed to do it, you know, and I'm glad that I did. So now it's kind of affirming to, to have this diagnosis to me. It's, it's actually a bit comforting just to kind of know that I've been doing the right things. And now like, I'm going to be going to do this thing called the uh, DBT therapy, which is a dialectical behavioral therapy. Wow. What does that entail? Uh, that entails, it's a long process. It's group therapy and independent therapy. It's like third wave psychology. So it's kind of like cognitive thinking, but more instead of like deflecting thoughts or like distancing yourself from thoughts, you kind of manifest the thoughts because they're already there. Hmm. And it's how to cope with them um, without risky behavior or um, just like you got to change your behavior, right? Like that's it. Um, so right now I'm on the waiting list to get into one of those because it's like a six month, uh, therapy and it's very, very like it, it takes up the major part of your life. There's homework, there's wow. group therapy every week. There's a single therapy with therapists every week. So I'm looking forward to like getting into that. And I've already been doing like the work myself, which has been good, but, uh, yeah, like I think a lot more people have BPD than they think, you know, because it's kind of, it's been misdiagnosed a lot as like bipolar disorder. And actually like early on in the 90s and 80s and 90s, they said that only women could get borderline. <laughs> just, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's actually like, it's a pretty like, it's like a serious disorder. Like when you look at the the studies that have been done for like, like the percentage of like suicide rates with people with BPD and uh, like just like risky behavior and uh, young offenders as well in prisons. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely like really sad. The state of mental health um, help in the West, particularly like North America and, I guess maybe not the entire West, but definitely America. I mean, I don't know how it is in Canada, <laughs> but in America, it's fucked. It's like really yeah. bad. Yeah, I've, I I heard that. Um, I've heard that. Is it easier there? Do you think, and is it like what? How how would you review the health system in Canada? Well, definitely in Quebec, it's different than the rest of Canada. Quebec is kind of like its own country. <laughs> it's like sovereign, kind of from sovereign from the rest of the country, but. Okay. Uh, it's been pretty easy. I'm doing it through the big university here called McGill and they have like a program and healthcare covers it because it's actually DBT is like pretty expensive. Um, like I was ready to drop like a couple thousand dollars on it somewhere else. So, um, <laughs> uh, I find, I find that it's pretty difficult to get, uh, um, to the point of being diagnosed with with a mental condition you really have to be vigilant and you really have to like be ready to like do things that are uncomfortable and talk about things that are like main thing is you got to be honest like you got to be honest about exactly how you're thinking and don't be don't be embarrassed about the things you think like really having like struggles mentally aren't really disorders like they're just a part of how you think and like your thoughts are not like 
like a you know your thoughts are not who you are they're just like just like a feeling is kind of like the weather you know and like things 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 will pass and like you just have to like be ready to like move forward with it and i think like now like i'm 29 like i just turned 29 and it's it was just something about waking up that morning in april uh where i just woke up and yeah, I just, I was just done with, I was just done with feeling like I didn't remember everything from the night before. Uh, feelings of like shame, you know, or yeah. guilt. I just was done with that. And I think that there was kind of something inside of me too, like kind of like myself or something like my real innocent self being like, like, don't like, you can't keep doing this. You know, like I'm at my last breath, like your innocence is like at his last breath. And like, I had just finally like listened to it with, to make a concerted effort sure. too. It's like, you can, you can go around and be like, yeah, this is like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, but like, you have to like tell yourself, like my whole life has got to change now. Right. This isn't a temporary thing. And that's thing. a terrifying feeling. Cause you like, he's, you know, we get used to feeling fucked up and used to acting fucked up i know it feels i know know, it feels like oh this is the only way i can exist what's going to happen if i change i started thinking about like like having behaviors when you're when you're like drunk or like whatever or like and started thinking about because i was doing at the beginning of quarantine after that i was going to some aa meetings on zoom which were very helpful to me um i feel like if anyone that you know, feels like alcohol can be like, you know, if you black out or if you can become certain ways that you know aren't you when you're drunk or people say they're concerned, like I would say just try AA once, you know, and see what it does for you. Like it's it's a very like helpful program. It's one of the most successful like programs, you know, in recovery. And it's old, you know, it's been around. Um, but I was thinking, I was thinking about those behaviors and I was thinking about how like it's kind of like you're you're in a boxing match with like a substance over and over again and you lose every time you know um if you're like an addict but you still feel like you can win the next time you know so you tell yourself all these things like this is going to be different now because I'm not going to drink this kind of alcohol or I'm not going to do this drug or I'm not you know or I'm going to do it in this environment or I'm going to have a limit you start setting all these changes that you think are really going to do something. So you do another bout and you lose again. And like the audience of this in the closest front row are the people that love you the most. Right. right. And they, and they, they'll, they'll be the last to leave too. They'll yep. stick around and watch you get your ass kicked over and over again. But eventually they'll leave, you know, Eventually, like, they can't do it anymore. That's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, so I, I think that, um, you know, people, at some, I feel like you can't blame people for leaving soon. Like, as soon as it happens, I feel, I, I feel like it should almost happen sooner in some cases. Um, I, I, I agree. Yeah, you can't blame people for leaving. It doesn't mean they don't love you. There's this crazy, like we want to put all of it sometimes all of the bad behavior onto mental health but sometimes it's like i mean i've been there too 
and I've had family that have gone through, um, you know, struggles with substance abuse and mental health. As mm-hmm. Sometimes it is used as kind of like a shield to enable yourself to keep acting that way. And I think, um, you know, seeing people leave is not necessarily a, like, indication that, that they don't care about you anymore. It's just that they, you know, sometimes you have to take care of yourself and sometimes the person that you're in the front row for is not putting yeah. in the effort and you have to be like, okay, this is useless for me to be here. Well, exactly. Like how long can, and I think too, and when I think about my past like relationships and stuff, it's like, you can't blame them because they love you and like, in order for them to like want you to really change, like they can't be pressured into a role for you anymore. Right. The one thing with me, um, with, um, like having BPD and thought I've been thinking about, because like, not to go into it too much, but like in my childhood, I had a lot of leaving. There was a lot of leaving changes and like people coming in and out of my life. And, um, so I think in a way with like fear of abandonment and all that is I kind of used people as well as a substance and I'm recognizing yeah. that a lot more. Right. So then I think I started thinking about it a lot in the last couple of months is to like get real comfort in life and to like be present. It, it can't come from outside yourself. It can't be a person, can't be a substance. You know, it really like comes within yourself. It's from within. So I find with like with me and a lot of my behavior drunk would be like, you know, like BPD is kind of like, I hate you. Don't leave me. You know, you, you you test people because you think they don't really love you because you have this warped sense of reality and you give into it and then they can't put up with it anymore they're exhausted so they leave and then you're you you're in despair yeah like don't leave i i can't i can't do this without you kind of thing that kind of behavior yeah yeah i i the most content that i've felt during this quarantine is when i've been entirely just focused on me and whatever I want to do because like I've been spending so much time on my phone just even just like looking at social media and being like you know needing sort of validation through that you know uh, channel yeah validation yeah definitely when you when you start feeling content without getting constant validation through the people in your life or your relationships or social media like that's when you know you feel it really feel kind of peaceful and can enjoy things Totally. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Oh. Sorry, I just got a package. Nice. What did you get? I think I got some uh, skincare stuff, actually. Yeah. I've been on my... That's my new thing, kind of lately, a little bit of skincare. Oh, that's good. I've been breaking out because I haven't been eating well or going outside or washing my face. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that, like, I've gotten really into now with quarantine, like... uh exercising and eating well and uh i think that's actually kind of a huge part of like if you have a long term with like a long thing with uh 
substance abuse yeah. is like is exercise. Th- those like, things like I, those things really make a difference. But as like somebody with a substance abuse problem or like an emotional type of problem or mental health problem, you want a fix immediately. And like eating well and exercise and those kinds of like natural um, ways to take care of yourself, like they take a little bit of time for them to build up. And so it's exactly. really hard to it's really hard to keep the momentum. I've I've been noticing like the changes too because I've been doing like two hundred push ups a day and running every day. And now I have like for the first time in my life I kinda have like not like skinny like abs, but like like actual muscle. <laughs> that rocks. <laughs> so I was just like, wow, like it's really weird to be like like I'm like strong. And that now rules. it's just like yeah, yeah, no, it's been it's been really, really good. So now my day is kind of like it's kind of meditative for me. Where like, if I don't do one of them, like I need to do at least one of either run or do the push ups every day. Like I need to do one of them. That's like a part of my routine is very like uh, is very important to me lately. And I and think that's just going to be the thing to do. Has all this stuff affected your songwriting at all? Yeah, I guess we haven't really gotten to that yet. Yeah. Um, I've basically finished another album. I'm almost done. And what's interesting about this is I started recording this album back last summer. And I was doing a lot of drugs and drinking a lot Yeah. during the beginning. And the lyrics on the, the early stuff for this record were definitely about like addiction. And they sounded kind of like a cry for help a little bit. Um, and it's kind of weird because then I took a long break from it over the winter, um, spending a lot of time with a person, um, probably too much time, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, see, that's the thing too, right? Like when, like you get like addicted to a person, but anyway, then I started kind of taking a break from my normal stuff and made that, made some electronic music for a while. And then when the quarantine got big and then I moved back into my apartment, uh, slowly started picking up my roommate's new like Martin acoustic and basically record, been recording every day at home, went to our space to do some drums. And yeah, now after like two months, I've basically finished a record. It's influenced my songwriting. It's very, um, spiritual i guess mm. in a way uh, in a weird way i've been feeling a little bit i've never considered myself like i've always considered myself i guess religious in a way not for anything specific uh-huh but i've definitely this is my first record like i can say it it's like this is my first record i've recorded like not on amphetamines yeah like for real you know i'm not like waking up at like 4 p.m. the next day, not remember, and then, you know, my computer's open and it's like, oh, what did I record? Like, I'm totally, <laughs> yeah, I'm totally like sober, completely. Like, I haven't smoked weed either. I'm not doing any, like, I'm just pure, like, uh, wow. yeah. yeah I, I, re- I realized I was talking to my, my best friend uh, from back home who I grew up with, Liam, and we were talking about some stuff, and I, I recognized that. This has been the longest time that I've been completely sober 
and that means without weed either in over 10 years amazing <laughs> you know what i mean and i got yeah. so i was just kind of like uh wow you know and with this new record too there's no like i'm kind of like i'm more romanticizing pain or you know, I feel like a lot, I, sometimes I listen back to like my older stuff a little bit and I was just kind of like, oh, you idiot, go get yourself some help. Stop, uh-huh. singing, about, stop singing about this shit, you know? Yeah. And I feel like this is the, this new record is going to, I don't know when it's going to come out. Could be in a couple of years. I don't know. But A um, couple of years? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm taking things slow, you know? You know? That's good. Just taking things slow in everything in life, really. Just, like, trying to stay focused on, like, my sobriety and my mental health before I can play, uh, like, you know. That's why quarantine's been pretty good for me, honestly. Yeah. It's yeah. been benefit. Yeah, because, well, like, I don't have to do anyway. anything. It's a wash, anyway. This year is a wash, anyways. So it's, like, I've been feeling kind of the same way. I get really, like, anxious about getting new stuff made and out. And it's, like, well, there's no reason to rush now <laughs> what are you gonna do yeah exactly it's just like chill i feel like a lot of people are really being faced with a lot of stuff with themselves you know they're kind of like staring in a mirror all day yeah um and like i feel like just taking full advantage of of this of this moment too because i feel like this is very um interesting I hate when people use the word times, but I guess I have to say it. Times. Interesting <laughs> uh-huh. times. You know what I mean? I don't know why. I've always bothered me. To like, and you know what? You're going to remember that this is going to be a point of your life that you remember, actually. Even if you're not doing a lot. Like, you'll remember this. I mean, especially with the protest now, this is like an insane time. And it feels like, it oh, feels yeah. like shit keeps happening in the past couple of years. It's like, oh, this is the craziest time of my life. Oh, this is the craziest time of my life. Oh, this is the craziest. You know, it keeps Every couple months, there's something that's like, I can't imagine it. You know, this is our 9-11, and now it's the next week, and it's fucking, oh, it's 9-11 again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. But, like, yeah, it's like this time, there's, like, there's something going on right now, too, with everything. I just, there's, like, a, a bit of a, a rumbling in the earth for change. Pretty heavy, you know? Yeah. Uh just for actual change and like we we, we can go around pointing fingers all day but also it's gonna come it has to be like it's all one thing in my in my mind it's all one great you know it's all one single singularity thing of like change coming from within you know yeah it feels like the pressure kind of builds up and they're like mass protests over something and everybody's really upset and needs change now and then it kind of dies out and, you know, we're trained to just, like, be kind of content as, like, a fall society. Back. And we do fall back yeah. for a while and then into, something else happens. Into the happens. groove. Something else yeah, happens and then it gets higher this time and then higher for the next time. Mm-hmm. I think people aren't going to stop, especially with these police protests. I don't think they're going to stop until something big is, you know, some big changes are made. It That's seems the like, hope. Seems That's like the hope for sure with like minneapolis like rebuilding the police department from the ground up it seems like you know it's possible for people to pressure 
enforce this kind of change that we need. Yeah, exactly. Like things can actually be like when you realize that, like I was reading just about, you know, defunding police isn't like a radical idea. Like, no, you not think at all. about how, how many things in our society are defunded all the time as in like education. So um, I think it's really important for people to use the right words to really think and use a filter, you know, like, you know, insta- like to, to use the proper words and to communicate with each other as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, because we're humans, right? Like, we all kind of crave the same things. We all, you know, really. So. so what's the sound of the new stuff that you've been working on? Yeah. Um, it's really different. It's not really different, but it's uh, probably my most bare record, as in... There's not a lot of effects or like reverb stuff. It's my most folk record for sure. I got back in heavily to Neil Young again. Um, people that I've shown, I've basically been showing the same two people in my life, the stuff I've been working on. And yeah, it's kind of like Neil Young, Elliot Smith. Like it's mostly just like acoustic guitar, drums, bass, vocals. And my friend Alex plays lap steel on like half the record. How many tracks, and does it have a name? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to be probably like 11 or 13 tracks, I think. I have recorded over 30 or 40 songs for it, but I think I've narrowed it down to 13 now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, working title right now is... Um, cool. That's the working title. Do you have um, any, like aspirations to shop it to labels i know you don't like touring and i can't imagine you like playing the album cycle game and being happy doing that or have your feelings changed on that now that you're sober what do you think it's i need to wait a pretty long time i think before i can tour again uh, i don't know like bless you see me on tour you know what i mean You've seen the beer in my hand constantly. Well, that's know? what tour does. You can't exist. It's really hard to exist yeah. on tour without drinking all the time. Yeah. And, like, the boys in past life who the, from the U.S. who I toured the last, like, three American tours with, like, you know, they, they every time they, like, they noticed that I had a bit of a problem. So I'm definitely going to have to, like, if I do, when I do tour again, when and if, I'm going to have to, like, really set down a strict regimen of, like, okay, like, go for a run. You know, find time, load in, go for a run, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, maybe even have to go to, like, okay, Google an AA meeting in this yeah. this city. Um, I've actually toured with, like, someone before that would go to AA meetings, like, on tour. Which I always really, really admired that dedication to sobriety, you know. Um, so, you know, I just have to just be very, like, again, vigilant and, like, mindful of, like, where I'm at before I, because really, I, first thing that's coming first right now is, like, yeah, sobriety and, like, being okay with how I feel. Yeah. So what about, yeah, pro- what about label stuff? Label stuff. Do you ever think? Um, do you have you been thinking about that at all, or do you have any aspirations to like? Yeah, be on a what, big one, label. 
Yeah. Molly Dragon, uh, Warner Brothers. Coldplay Tour. Brothers, I don't know. I've been fortunate enough to like have some labels listen to my music and say nice things about it before. Some labels that I like, like Asthmatic Kitty and stuff. I, I'm definitely going to... Because I, I feel like Egg Hunt would probably put this out again. And I know they're going to help me get it mastered because I really like the master on Touchstone. I really like that, the what that Greg did. He did a good job. But I'm definitely going to slowly send it around. I mean, what like my dream label to be on to release an album with would probably be 4AD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be or, sick. Or like, uh, like Jag Jaguar. Yeah. I'd love Actually, yeah. I, I really like Dead Oceans. Mm-hmm. Or like um secretly, they're, they're, secretly Canadian. Yeah, those are the three same they're all from Secretly Group. Oh, secretly okay. Canadian Secretly Canadian, Dead Oceans, and uh Jag Jaguar from the same they're in the same thing. Who I've actually managed I've uh, talked to a person that works there a couple of times, so I'll probably send it their way this time as well. I guess this record kind of, you know what I'm thinking about now? It kind of sounds like Bonnie Vera's second record, the self-titled one. Ah. It's kind of like that. It kind of has that kind of, it's not like it, but you get what I mean? It comes from the same planet a little bit. Right. Um, anyway, like I'm almost done. So before I send it off to get it mastered, I'll send you like a raw cut of it. Yeah, I'd so love to can, hear it. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you. That should be. I should have that done in the next couple of weeks. Uh, what's your process of writing a song? Do you have? If you're gonna like sit down and write a song right now, how would it happen? Uh, usually I'll have like a movie on or like a documentary on, and then I've been writing a lot for this record. I wrote, wrote most of the material on bass first. I have a bass here. I love sitting down with a bass for some reason. It's just. It's really, I don't know why. It's just really fun to just sit with a bass. So I'm probably like, what were we going to say? Do you usually write on guitar? Yeah, that's because that's all we really have here are guitars. I, whenever I try to write, I am extremely used to writing songs on guitar. And whenever I try to write a song on a different instrument, it, it comes out like, sounding more juvenile or something more like J- daniel johnston or what <laughs> no, like like just not like more amateur-y i guess like that I, just might be you though that just might be you like that just might be what you think yeah maybe <laughs> try writing on an abate writing on bass is fun you do really yeah. good licks you do cool licks like that's another thing on this on this record is like it's probably my best like bass playing oh cool and this record, more than any of my others, is a lot of other musicians on it, which is like a lot different than my past records, where I did the majority of the instrumentation. Um, I kind of involved a, like close friends of mine and members of my live band here in Montreal to get on the the record. It's been a process too because I have to like put my my iMac in like a suitcase and bring it around with me, <laughs> which is like kind of risky. Wow. So, yeah, I've been doing that for a long time. So I'm going to buy a MacBook soon, so that won't be as risky. Yeah, that's a good investment. I've had my MacBook since 2012. 
Yeah, I'm just going to get like an older one, probably like a refurbished one as well. Because um, I'm just I'm just going to use it for like GarageBand. So because that's what I use. That's what I record on. Yeah, yeah. I use GarageBand, too. Which, it's awesome. It's, it's the best. I love GarageBand. Honestly, the reasons I use it over like um, Pro Tools is like kind of like small quality of life things like and these might be things that you can adjust in pro tools um but like for instance like even just like dragging the way that you drag a piece of audio and how like you can't drag it back without deleting it like Mm -hmm. if you drag the end of the audio in pro tools and drag it back then that audio is gone yes yes i love that too how you can like kind of like split a track cut copy and paste it and then drag it and for longer and it's still there right can, yeah exactly stuff like that is like why i still mainly use garage Band. yeah i just started using it my first girlfriend in high school uh her dad had an ibook it was right before the macbooks came out but the original the ibook had the first version of garage band on it so i started using garage band when i was like 16 so it's just been like in my the, the Catholic school I went to it was all Mac like I had a lot of Mac stuff so I just always used GarageBand and I just know it well you know uh, actually you know what though I kind of lied there because for this album uh, for drum tracks I recorded I did mix a lot of them with Ableton. Oh, interesting! They're live drums. Oh yeah, they're live drums. Wow. This whole this whole album is like live stuff. Wow. Which is a big difference too. Yeah, I'm really excited. You know what? I'm really excited. I'll send you tonight. I'll send you a couple of tracks from it. Who's playing the other instruments? So there's a few. Um, so my guitarist plays drums on a couple songs. My actual drummer, Daniel, who's also my roommate, he's in the other room now, he plays drums on a track. Um, my bass player plays. It's so weird. My bass player plays guitar on a couple tracks. <laughs> um, yeah, and my friend Alex Casey, who um has a project called Power Party, he plays lap steel on like six songs, like slide guitars, lap steel. And they're just down to do this. Like you don't have to pay them or anything. No, I do that too. Uh-oh. Or like not. It just depends on like what, what they're feeling really. Huh. I feel like quarantine's been beneficial that way a little bit. Like, are you like, hey, there's this track. Do you want to do something on it? If not, you know. God, I'm, buy so, you lunch. I'm so glad I, bought, I. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I bought like me and Daniel like Subway the one night when we were doing drums. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's nice. That sounds like a pleasant <laughs> evening. It was. It was a nice. It was a good time. We got Subway, and I came back and I finished the Beatles anthology because I've watched that probably like ten times in my life. Do they help you write the parts, or do you just tell them what to do? Uh, sometimes I will see what they're feeling and then give my like with drums. I know where my strengths are and I know things that I can't do. So maybe I'll like sit on the drums and be like, I want something kind of like this. Right. And we'll just kind of work it out and just see what works best. And I'll just like sit there with them in front of the iMac and just kind of go with it. Just kind of feel like with this, with this record is like, kind of like, let's just like honor the song. 
as best as we can and like not fill it with a bunch of stuff let's try to get like the yeah. best track we can of just like you know that's just that's that's discipline yeah oh definitely 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 i feel like all of my other records not really like it, the touchstone was kind of the first one where i really started perfecting certain things and not just being like okay that's good enough but now with this one is like i've done a lot of retracking like uh when daniel got his new martin i basically deleted all the acoustic tracks i had on my record and redid them and for some of them i had to relearn the songs again because i started recording them last summer so i had to like what chord am i playing there kind Man. of thing so definitely discipline definitely patience and, yeah. and and being sober has been fine with that because it's like what else am i going to do like let's do this the, the best i can and you know like this is like an activity and it's fun in itself like i don't need to be drunk or high to do this i used to think i did right. i used to really i used to really think that that was a part of music and you know what you are you'll play a lot better when you're sober <laughs> yeah i mean when you get into that flow state you can be sober as hell you know if you can yeah. if you can get into that flow state nothing matters definitely definitely you're not yeah, thinking about all, anything when you're just thinking all, about the next move in the recording yeah and all process. of a sudden then all of a sudden like four hours have passed you know yeah and with me my favorite thing to do is like when after i'm done like a song session or like in my room or whatever i'll go on my back balcony which i recently like cleaned out which took me like a day so I have like a back balcony now and I'll just sit there and have like the best cigarette of my life. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'll just like have like, oh, it's, you know that one when you finish the song or something? Yeah. And you haven't had a smoke in like a couple hours because you've forgotten about your cigarette cravings because yeah. you're in that flow state. But when yeah. you have that, that smoke, you're like, yeah. You're just basking in the dopamine, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good feeling finishing something, but knowing you're never really finished something right which is kind of acceptance as well i feel like being like just accepting the way things are is and is a huge is a huge um aspect of mindfulness i will say sorry oh i was just gonna say that there's there's beautiful there's beauty there there's comfort and, and acceptance it doesn't need to it doesn't need to be something that fills you with anxiety like anxiety is just a journey into yourself it's just becoming more of yourself really i agree and i i was um i think for me when i finish a song it's definitely a great feeling but it doesn't last you know nothing lasts forever do you listen to your own music a lot when you've finished it because i get compulsive about re-listening and listening to it a million times to like <laughs> see how other people are going to hear it or like just working on it and like getting all the tiny little details corrected, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I think I do. It's funny because like the, for this record, I've sent, I send stuff to the, basically the same three people that like I love and trust, you know, and I know will listen to it. Um, very, you know, intensively or whatever. And like attentively or critically, uh, huh? Critically critically as well yes and will be honest with me and it's so funny because i'll be like here it is it's done you know here's the here's the final mix but then i'll send them like 12 more over yep. the next day yeah 
like this this part of this vocal track wasn't loud enough right. or that you know i didn't compress this part this bass enough here and it's something that you know what no one would notice the difference except you really yeah yeah that's <laughs> like, so real and you know but it's like when you know it's it's a little bit better you feel a little bit that much better so it's like it's a fun, it's an interesting process it's like it's like it's perfecting like a recipe you know yeah it really a little bit it's more, like a, i think of it like a little bit, a little bit what? what do you think of it like <laughs> i was gonna say put a little bit more turmeric in there turmeric in there you know it needs a little bit more cumin like yes. just a little just a dustin just a little bit more salt yes exactly good. or like thinking of like <laughs> like like each song is like a painting and then like the album is like a sculpture of paintings <laughs> you know yeah definitely that's yeah i think the same way and it's like sometimes you need to start something over completely sometimes you need to do that like sometimes it just needs to be done or sometimes uh you just need like a little bit of something else i find with this record which has been really uh, this this feels like the, the lyrically this is probably the most like cathartic record for me because like it's every song i kind of like i, I know exactly what i'm writing about hmm. whereas before a lot of it was like some there's meaning and i'm not saying none of my music before had true meaning to me but a lot of it came through like uh like euphoria and stuff so it's kind of all over the place where this one is definitely my most like i guess mature like I know exactly what I'm like. I feel like I have something to talk about with this record. When it, you know, do you know what the there, lyrics I, are going to be about before you start writing them, or do, do you figure it out as you go? It's kind of like usually what it is is like the first sentence that comes out of my mouth will kind of like shape it. It's kind of it kind of manifests with like the first kind of words. Like there's a there's a track on this song. Or, sorry, there's a track on this album, and the chorus is the blood in the body of, and I call, the song's called Communion. So that, that was like a really kind of religious song about forgiveness and um, uh, just trying to like be a good person. And I've been watching a lot of documentaries about like Jesus actually lately. <laughs> I have no idea why, but I just kind of have been. And like, you know, Immanuel Kant and like Christian philosophers like Kierkegaard, I've been really interested in lately. You mentioned because you a lot of them. Love what? Like Kierkegaard was the first, like he's a Christian, but he was like the first existentialist. Huh. Uh, I've never heard of him. Philosopher. Kierkegaard. Oh, yeah, you should do some How you reading up it? on him. Oh. K I E R K. E G A R D, I think. <laughs> if you put that in, it will come up. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you would spell that. <laughs> yeah. Without knowing. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Something like that, but I know it would come up. But, you know, the benefits of Google search, you know, you don't have to be 100% right. <laughs> Definitely. Um, you mentioned you went to Catholic school. Were your parents religious? No, no, not really, no. Um, so I was wasn't even ba I, I wasn't even baptized, but my there was in Midland there was only two schools. There was the public high school and the um, Catholic one, and the Catholic ones were always newer and I guess better. So my mom always 
wanted me to go to Catholic school. <laughs> we okay. always happen to live. We always happen to live near one too. But it was kind of interesting going to a Catholic high school because whenever there was like a math thing, uh, I wouldn't have to go to school if I didn't want to. <laughs> mm, that's cool. actually I did. I did something bad one time though. Like I guess in the terms of the Christian faith, I like stay for mass and like I took communion without ever being like confirmed. Mm. <laughs> they'll they'll so, live. Yeah, but I did a little. <laughs> I did. A, I took. I remember feeling like a badass too. I was like, yeah, like I just ate the body of Christ, and I haven't even been like dude I confirmed. Always, I always wanted to. I always wanted. It to. tastes like. Tastes like cardboard. It's not good. Uh, I had it's another not... question, mm-hmm. which was: Do you ever see yourself doing like other styles? You did say you're doing like electronic music, but do you ever see yourself doing like a doing, making like a drastic change into like pop music or something like that? You know what? I don't know. I've never really like. I feel like I'm always kind of blending in different genres in my music a little bit. But you'll notice with this record, I think this is this record. Um, it's funny because it sounds like I've already put out the record, but um, <laughs> is definitely this record is like the exact type of music I've always wanted to make. But I think I've been too scared to like make something so bare, kind of, without adding a bunch of reverb or like you know what I mean, or doing so many different instruments and stuff like the vocals are really turned up no effects that's scary Um, i'd be lying if i said that like big thief isn't a huge influence on this Uh, record that makes sense especially uh ufof oh man Uh, the first couple tracks on that album are crazy oh yeah the song ufof is the best song i've heard in the last like five years well, wait, when did Moonshape Pool come out? When, okay, since Moonshape Pool, UFOF is the, my favorite album. Since a Moonshape Pool. <laughs> What's a, a Moonshape Pool? The last Radiohead album. Uh, who are, if anyone's ever wondered, are my favorite band of all time. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Yeah, like, I guess I'll... I always kind of blend, but... Stuff, but I think like with this record, it's like this is this type of music that I've always really wanted to make with an album, and like this is my first real kind of concept album where it's really about like recovery and reconciling with past trauma and uh, moving forward, and you know, like being comfortable with who you are and realizing that like you are not your mistakes. And, like, people are not expecting or hoping for you to fail, you know? That's beautiful, man. Yeah. It's been a really beautiful experience, actually. Like, it's, uh, it's been, um, this whole last two months, I feel like, have probably been the most important, has been the most important time of my life yet. I'm proud of, of you, man. I hope you can... Well, I know you'll keep it up and you'll do great. Appreciate that, Flesh. That's nice of you to say. That's really nice of you. It's been it's nice talking to you. Yeah, I've Hopefully, had... Uh, this has been a great episode, I think. 
Yeah, I hope I, I, I remember I kind of did a bit of meditation before to be like, all right, don't overshare too much because I have a bit of a problem with that. So I hope I didn't. No, it was perfect. And I think like, you know, people that listen to these kinds of podcasts are into the oversharing part of it. Like it doesn't always have to be like that. But I think um, this record usually people, you know, I'm prepared for people to not share anything. So I like, I have like all the albums listed and I've like all these talking points to go through. And usually I'll just kind of go through the discography of so, you know, keeping like a structure to the conversation and like having something to talk about. Um, well, yeah, no, for sure. And I knew like, I've had a couple people ask me actually during quarantine to kind of do a couple of interviews, but I really just wanted to do one. With you. It's like, I don't know, like I consider us friends, you know, and like, yeah, I was I, I just knew that I could like be. I knew that it wasn't just going to be a music conversation because you know I'm kind of like, uh, because honestly, like, I'm not even too concerned about talking about like music as itself. More as like I'm concerned about talking about like, the things we discuss and like expression. It feels know? like the right time to like just talk about whatever and like talk about the important stuff and like. How I mean, all this stuff influences the music, anyways, and maybe we can do another episode down the line, um, oh, and like I'd actually go into like the records and like how each one was made and all that. Yeah, we can definitely do that as well, and um, we'll definitely do one around whenever the album comes out. I'll, yes. I'll keep you. I'll keep you posted on that. You know, if it gets put out on like Warner Brothers or or uh, yeah. <laughs> or. Def Jam or take, something. Take me on the <laughs> the Radiohead Coldplay tour, and I'll be the lights guy. Oh yeah, that would be sick. Yeah, yeah, you can be the lights guy, and then <laughs> and then you can pretend you can be me for a couple of the shows. Oh yeah. I don't think no I one would. No one would know. <laughs> <laughs>